Good morning, everybody. Good afternoon. Good evening. Good night, depending on what time you're watching this. This is Jack Howard. You're listening to Movies Now More Than Ever. We got a great episode for you today. We're talking about... Today? We're actually talking about something different than normal. Today we're going to be talking about race. We're going to be talking about award shows. And we're going to be talking about... Now those two things don't always go together. So without further ado, this is Movies Now More Than Ever. Let's get into it. Professor Paul Weiss, the Sterling Professor of Philosophy at Yale. Were you able to listen to the show backstage? I, I, a good deal of it, but then I was behind the Western Gate. Yes. So I heard only some of it. Did you hear anything that you disagreed with? I disagreed you? with a great deal of it. And, uh, of course, it's a good deal I agree with. But I think uh, he's overlooking one very important matter, I think. Each one of us, I think, is terribly alone. He lives his own individual life. He has all kinds of obstacles in the way of religion or color or size or shape or lack of ability, and the problem is to become a man. Well, what I was discussing was not that problem, really. I was discussing the difficulties, the obstacles, the very, the very real danger of death thrown up by the society when a Negro, when a black man attempts to become a man. All this emphasis upon black man and white does emphasize something which is here, but it emphasizes it or perhaps exaggerates it, and therefore makes us put people together in groups which they ought not to be in. I have more in common with a black scholar than I have with a white man who's against scholarship. And you have more in common with a white author than you have with someone who's against all literature. So why must we always concentrate on color or religion or this? There are other ways of connecting men. I'll tell you this, when I left this country, in 1948. I thought this country be one reason only, one reason. I didn't care where I went. I might have gone to Hong Kong, I might have gone to Timbuktu, I ended up in Paris, on the streets of Paris, with $40 in my pocket on the theory that nothing worse could happen to me there than it already happened to me here. You talk about making it as a writer by yourself, you had to be able then to turn off all the antenna with which you live because once you turn your back on this society, you may die. You may die. And it's very hard to sit as a typewriter and concentrate on that if you're afraid of the world around you. The years I lived in Paris did one thing for me. They released me from that particular social terror, which was not the paranoia of my own mind, but a real social danger visible in the face of every cop, every boss, everybody. I don't know what most white people in this country feel, but I can only include what they feel from the state of their institutions. I don't know if white Christians hate Negroes or not, but I know that we have a Christian church which is white and a Christian church which is, which is black. I know, as Malcolm X once put it, that the most segregated hour in American life is high noon on Sunday. That says a great deal for me about a Christian nation. It means that I can't afford to trust most white Christians and certainly cannot trust the Christian church. I don't know whether the labor unions and their bosses really hate me. That doesn't matter, but I know I'm not in their unions. I don't know if the real estate lobby is anything Ooh, against black people, that. but I know the real estate lobbies keep me in the ghetto. I don't know if the Board of Education hates black people, but I know the textbooks they give my children to read and the schools that we have to go to. Now, this is the evidence. You want me to make an act of faith, risking myself, my wife, my woman, my sister, my children, on some idealism which you assure me exists in America, which I have never I seen. 
That was an excerpt from the Dick Cavett Show featuring James Baldwin from the movie I Am Not Your Negro, which was directed by Raoul Peck. Throughout, throughout my life, I've always had an infatuation with black and white cinema, with black and white movies. One of my, all of my favorite movies are in black and white, other than Willy Wonka. And I think that is because that's the opposite of black and white. That is just the most colorful movie there is. But I really never knew why I loved black and white movies so much. Or not why I loved them more than others, but why I just felt differently about others. Some of the greatest racially charged movies are in black and white. Le Haine, the French film, is, the, is one of the greatest racially charged movies there is to watch. And that is strictly in black and white for the added effect of racial integrity, for the for seeing the difference of black and white, for not for seeing people exactly as that and no no other colors, just black or white. And that's what made that movie a, another another layer deeper. But here in I Am Not Your Negro, directed by Raoul Peck, we see a whole a whole new different stance on the black and white film. Although not all of it is in black and white, it has to do with the civil rights movement, which is, which is about black and white, which is about how everyone should be, how everyone should be equal. But in order to make everyone equal, we have to make changes. That's how everything, that's how everything has to be. But through this movie, and through the words of James Baldwin, we find that, we find that we are far, far from that. We're not even... We're exactly where we were when James Baldwin was talking in the 1960s. We're not. We haven't gotten any closer. We haven't even began, begun to, to really reach where we need to be. Before we dive into this film, let's take a look at Raoul Peck and other movies that he has produced. Along with I Am Not Your Negro, he has directed the young Karl Marx, Lumumba, and Sometimes in April, which I would say are his top four. He is a Haitian man, and he was actually the Minister of Culture in 1996 and 1997 of Haiti. He is the Minister of Culture of Haiti in those years. He, uh, in every one of his movies, he tackles either social justice or anti-capitalism. He dives into things that, that make the audience uncomfortable, and he thrives off of that sort of, that sort of feeling of just uncomfort is what, is what he wants you to feel. That's how his films are supposed to make you feel because us as humans know that we've done something wrong and he, he wants us to bring that out of us and he wants to enact change in all of us which is exactly what I what I look for in a movie if it if it incites me to make a change in myself or make me a better person then that movie has done its job although he does make feature-length films such as the young Karl Marx he thrives off of documentaries and just, as I, as I said before, creating that uncomfortable feeling in, in his audience to enact change and really make a person look at themselves inward and think, am I, am I a good person? Am I going down the right path? And by thriving off of that feeling, he, does, he really does make change in people. And after watching a few of his movies, I have really felt differently about my outlook on life and on people. And I... You know, of course, everyone doesn't think they're they're racist or has race racial tendencies, but 
or discriminatory tendencies, but sometimes you do, and you don't even look past it. You don't think something's racist, and there's that that goes for everyone. Everyone has the ability to make change in their life, and through watching these movies, I, I surely have, and I'm better. I'm a better person after watching these movies than I were than I was before. And really, Raoul Peck does make a great emotional charge in me, and I enjoy his movies and documentaries for those for those very reasons. Now that we look at the emotionally charged direction that that Raoul Peck likes to take in his films. Now we can dive into I Am Not Your Negro. First, we can do an overview. As, as we can see, based off of Rotten Tomatoes' overview, I Am, Not Your, I Am Not Your Negro offers an incendiary snapshot of James Baldwin's crucial observations on American race relations and a sobering reminder of how far we've yet to go. If that, if that doesn't encompass what this movie is all about, I, couldn't, I honestly can't think of a better sentence that, that encapsulates this whole movie. James Baldwin wrote a wrote a, a book called Remember This House, which he was working on to encapsulate his life with three different civil rights activists. Medgar Evers, Malcolm X, and Martin Luther King Jr. James Baldwin spent time with all three of them, and all three of them were assassinated within five years of each other. James Baldwin goes throughout his book displaying his time with them what they did, and what they still were were yet to say, what they had left, and how much, how much that really impacted him, as a person, and as a, as an activist, as a civil rights activist. The thing about this documentary, which which really intrigued me, was that they they weren't going after family, and hunting them down to give an interview, sort of sort of deal on this, but they more so relied solely on the book and use Samuel L. Jackson as the, as the voiceover. And the whole script is the book, or interviews with James Baldwin. It's not, it's not interviews with, with anyone else, it's solely from the book, which, which I love the creative leap that Raoul Peck in, in, in trying to tackle that, that idea. And with just being it solely based off a book, you get a deeper appreciation for James Baldwin, as well as, seeing what he really meant by his words by by having someone else interpret what he meant you get a completely different understanding than hearing his words for yourself by hearing his his words solely for yourself you you completely get the message that he's trying to portray which i think is is way better of a version than having someone else interpret what he's saying or trying to do a biopic of him. It's better to get him his actual words than than someone else play him. With all the praise and love I have for this movie, there is one thing that I would change about it. Although it is a pretty big thing I would change, having the movie be the direction that they made it, I feel conveys much more emotion and kind of pigeonholes it into being strictly a civil rights movie than being a than being a story about James Baldwin. It's it's a jury through the outlook of James Baldwin, not about James Baldwin. Which which is much more important and progressive to me 
than the other than the other choice. With that being said, the thing I would change is that they do not really say that James Baldwin was a gay black man. We know he's black, but we don't know he's gay. He is not portrayed as that at all in the documentary. And actually, the only time we could ever really see that he is a gay man is there's a text from the FBI that says he may be homosexual, which is really the only tell. And it, it still says maybe. Even in the interview with Dick Cavett that was played earlier, we see that he says, my wife, my children. And so you could easily walk out of that movie or that documentary thinking that he's a straight man, which I think is honestly an artistic approach taken by Raul Peck just to make you focus on civil rights and not to make you focus on his lifestyle specifically. Another thing is that in the interview, you could you could also tell that James Baldwin had that sort of like twang to his voice and he had a lisp and he talked in a a little higher pitch than obviously I'm talking in my voices is kind of as deep as you can get. But the the person that they have narrate or read read James Baldwin's story is Samuel L. Jackson, who has that sort of voice like me, that that baritone, super low, and just everything he says is meaningful sort of voice. And you can never really get that confirmation of of James Baldwin being gay through Samuel Jackson's voice just because of the the way he says words he doesn't he doesn't really flow with his voice like James Baldwin does in his sort of talking he talks nothing like James Baldwin but he says the words of James Baldwin which I think I think you could have honestly had a better actor for that situation I'm not saying Samuel Jackson the thing is I think Samuel Jackson is also the perfect person to have be the voice actor because of his activism he i'm not saying he's a modern day james baldwin but he he is definitely a civil rights activist that people look up to like like people did james baldwin in the time at that time and so i think that is the that is the choice that that went through raul peck's head in making in making that that decision to cast Samuel L. Jackson as the voice of James Baldwin. In America, behind emotional poverty so bottomless and a terror of human life, of human touch, so deep that virtually no American appears able to achieve any viable organic connection between his public stance and his private life. This failure of the private life has always had the most devastating effect on American public conduct and on black-white relations. If Americans were not so terrified of their private selves, they would never have become so dependent on what they call the Negro problem. Clearly there is a difference between Samuel L. Jackson's voice and James Baldwin. But with Samuel Jackson saying Jam- James Baldwin's words, we get a different sort of sort of feeling. It's way it seems much more meaningful. Just the 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 no fluctuation, no pitch change 
nothing changes in his voice. It's kind of just straightforward and bland, but that makes it seem so much more real, so much more intimate. It really makes you think a lot more. I I would have to say that him him casting his idea or him using his voice to read James Baldwin honestly gives a different meaning into the story, which I completely, completely understand now why Raoul Peck would cast Samuel L. Jackson as James Baldwin's voice. With all of that being said, the creativity, the importance of the subject matter, and the delivery of the movie all play into the reason why this movie was nominated for an Oscar for Best Documentary, why it was nominated for for the Best Documentary at the ACIA Awards, why it won the Best Documentary at BAFTA, and the Panorama Audience Awards. Before we get into why and my anger for how it didn't win Best Documentary, first, we're going to take a look at what Oscar bait is. Typically, Oscar bait is, re- is talked about in more of a feature-length film. It's, it's always known as like a lavishly produced, you know, more of like a, a David Lynch, a Steven Spielberg, a Christopher Nolan sort of movie. And it's always, you know, feature-length or, or pretty long. And it's normally like a time period piece. Maybe it's about like a particular event in time like sort of the Titanic, we could say. Maybe it's about war, like 1917. Maybe it's a, like the Revenant, maybe some, some you know, old Native American sort of, sort of time, time and place. Or maybe it's about like a civil rights sort of event, we could, we could say. And normally it features, you know, well-known actors. I know Leonardo DiCaprio only has one, but it could be featuring him. It could be featuring like a sort of Tom Hanks sort of person. It could maybe be featuring a sort of, you know, Samuel L. Jackson sort of person. And normally they could be about either big events, like I had said before, like the Titanic, or about like famous people. Maybe, maybe we can say like, um, astronauts or, or possibly, possibly civil rights leaders like Gandhi or like maybe James Baldwin and normally to win an Oscar you offer something new to the table you're maybe not the first one to do it but you're you've perfected it you're not the first person but you you perfected the craft such as maybe in the documentary we have talked about earlier I am not your negro we can talk about like how it's a documentary but it's the whole script is an unfinished novella that James Baldwin had written it doesn't interview friends or family. It doesn't seek out what the average what the average documentary does. It does something new. It's read straight from the book. In the movie, it's just either interview clips or the book, and there's not really anything else to it. There's not family family gathered or or other famous people from the time to talk about it. It's strictly from the book, which is something new in in the documentary style of filming. And I'm not saying, I'm not trying to say I am not your Negro is not, is Os- I'm not trying to say it's Oscar bait. 
But I'm saying that maybe, maybe it's a pretty big Oscar snub in my opinion. As we talked about what movies typically win and what does a movie need. Movies that win feature time periods, big name Oscars, and great production. Or big name actors, I should have said. And what does it offer? Or what does it need? It needs something new. And that's exactly what I Am Not Your Negro does. And that that is why I think I think maybe this movie should have won Best Documentary. I don't think... Now, I'm not mad it got nominated, and it did take home awards at other shows, but should it have won Best Documentary? I 100% would argue the fact that it should have. Normally, Oscar bait is talked about in movies, not, not particularly documentaries. But we clearly see that the winner of this of the year that that I am not your Negro was featured in was OJ made in America, which is also, you know, about a huge event, a huge person, and you know, it ties together America. It says it has America in the title like that that's sort of a of a buzzword when it comes to when it comes to Oscar nominations. And therefore we can kind of get a glimpse into what movies get get nominated. They're not going to be about a tiny, you know, tiny event. They're not going to be such an in-depth look at an obscure person. And it's not going to be about, you know, an event that people don't care about. It's going to be about something important. It's going to be about someone important. And it's going to be, it's going to be, it's going to be lavishly produced. What else can I say? It's going to be greatly made, and that's normally the type of movie that would win an Oscar. Although this may not be the biggest Oscar snub ever, I still think I Am Not Your Negro was, an, was, a, was a pretty big snub. With the emotional charge it left me with after seeing, along with all of Raul Peck's movies, it made me feel a different way about myself and think differently than I do than I did. In, in particular situations. And I think that's that's the making of a good movie. If it leaves you if it leaves you thinking and and makes you yearn for change, then that has to be a good movie. Or a good documentary. With that being said, I hope all of you have a great day, a great night, a great evening, whatever time it may be there. Remember to eat healthy, get your exercise, and take care of yourself. You can do it out there. Thank you for listening to Movies Now More Than Ever. I am Jack Howard. Live it up.